and welcome to the Dark Souls podcast, episode number 48, I believe. And today we've got me, Quentin Smith, and Keza McDonald. Hello, everybody. Hi. Aren't video games good? Video games are the best. What have we been playing? I've been playing nothing. Absolutely diddly squat, which is bad because this is a video games podcast. So what have you guys been playing? I keep trying to play other games and then inexorably I hover over the Rocket League logo and then play that. I desperately need to hear about Rocket League because everybody's talking about it. All my favourite design minds on Twitter are chatting about Rocket League. Tell me about Rocket League, Keza. Here's the hang about Rocket League, yeah? (laughs) It's football, but we cars. It's football with cars. Yeah, it's yeah. a translation. It's football, but with cars. <laughs> but it's um, in case you haven't got the, the the iTunes plugin for Scotch. The great thing about Rocket League, it is literally football with cars. Three versus three is the classic mode. Just two like goals, football. Big <laughs> yes, yes, big pitch, two goals. I'm guessing huge, the pitch. Huge ball. The pitch must be bigger as well. A really huge pitch. And the the yeah. ball's bigger as well. And the ball's enormous. The ball's like three times. Can you do car. like so? I hear Rocket League as well. Can you do sort of boosts with the car? You can fly the car with your boosts if you're skilled. That's the main thing about Rocket League. Everything with the caveat if you can do it. So you can literally fly off the because you can drive. It's like a like a Thunderdome type thing. So the the arenas all have this glass roof, and you can drive up it and boost off and fly across if you're really good. Can you dribble the ball along the? Sides or the roof? Yes. All these things you can do. Why haven't I played this it's, yet? It's very, very, very good. I mean, the, what I what I want to know is that, you know, it, this sounds funny and it you look at it and it immediately looks funny, but no, like, really smart people are talking oh, yeah. about it being incredible. It's, like, it's, it's not, it's, it's funny for about the first five games and then you realise it's secretly complete game design genius. It's really well balanced. It's got that classic, the thing that any competitive game needs, which is a slight element of chaos. That can be meted that, that can be uh, mitigated by skill, so it's really really good. And you'll might, now and then you'll get lucky with like, just an amazing bounce that happens, and you'll score. From, and it just rolls from way very just, slowly. And everybody's the... and the funny thing is, the great the great thing about Rocket League is most of the people who play it are Americans, and therefore they don't know how football works. So <laughs> they'll all just run at the ball like like ten year olds in the playground. <laughs> they'll just run at it and try to hit it. And so I like to do this thing where the the because it goes three two one and then you go and everyone's like far away from the ball and everyone races towards the ball and tries to hit it first. I like to just sit by the goal, wait for that to happen. The thing will bounce all over the place as everyone <laughs> everybody crashes in the middle and then you just kind of tootle up and uh, and you can jump and you can boost and you can like flip your car over to kind of thwack it. Really? How does yeah. that work? And you can do bicycle kicks. Oh, so are there ramps or no? No, you jump with you have a boost. Oh, of jump. course you can jump. And then just when like you, normal cars. And then you move your yeah. You move your weight around and you can kind of spin forwards or oh, sideways. So it's or... got that kind of burnout style thing where you can yes. you can control your momentum through sort of psychic. It's very, very physics-y. It's like, it's all about... So if you want to hit the ball in a direction, you can't just be like, press buttons. You have to have been building up momentum. You have to get the right angles. It's it's very, very skilled. And I, I've become addicted to just the, the Rocket League Reddit, which is full of these gifts of pro-level players who can kind of score aerial goals whilst flying the car, but just touching it with like a left back wheel and just be like, boom, and it'll just be straight in the goal. It's, it's all just like wizardry. So I'm guessing you go a little slower if you've got the ball so other players can tackle you? You can... Well, the thing is, you can boost... in. What everybody tries to do is boost as hard as they can into the ball and hit it really hard again. It's like kids on the playground. They're all just trying to kick it <laughs> as hard as they can. But if you go more slowly and catch it at the right time, you can... You, you've got to read yeah. the angles and you can... If you get good enough at it, the problem is there's a mid stage, right? There's the first stage of Rocket League where you run at the ball and you have fun, you score some goals out of out of luck and aggression, and it's great. And then there's the mid stage where you're like, oh, I'll try some fancy stuff, and then you just suck because <laughs> you're never anywhere near the ball because you're always trying things out, and you, you kind of do this like 
aerial manoeuvre, but you miss completely. And so you, you're just a liability. And then when you get slightly better and you start occasionally hitting the trick shots and stuff, that's when you kind of go back into improving. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's really, really good. It's the best competitive multiplayer game I've played this year by an enormous margin. Yeah, I mean, see, oh, it's really fun. it reminds me as well. Like, we're getting some indie it's games now. even slightly better than Splatoon. Ooh. Uh, we're getting some like nice uh, indie games now that kind of use sports not as like a basis but just kind of as like texture or flavor like yeah. I, have you ever played a lethal league no lethal league is a really again incredibly fun it's one of my um, local multiplayer favorites along with samurai gun mm. um or crawl as as game which are, which are all great um when i've got like a few friends over but lethal league is uh, 2d you're in a tiny arena with walls and a ceiling it's just rectangular and you're all dudes or dudettes or robots or sharks or whatever with baseball bats. And um, so if you hit the ball with a baseball bat, there's a big ball, like a baseball, right? And if you hit it, it travels quite slowly and it becomes your colour. And as long as it's your colour, it's lethal to everyone else. If they touch it, they just get knocked out. Um, like they go flying out of the arena, but it doesn't hurt you. Um, you can charge up your shots, however. So if if I knock the, the baseball slowly towards you, Keza, then you can charge up, you can wait, time it, and then when you let go, it will go flying. But here's the thing, if it's knocked straight towards me, maybe I can knock it back. So maybe you shoot it at an angle, maybe you shoot it diagonally. Remember I said this was a really small rectangular arena? Yeah. Imagine hitting a baseball incredibly hard at a corner. It's a lot like, um, it's got the same physics as um, uh, air hockey, right? Where the puck just goes, <laughs> bing, 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 bing. bing. And it's just not a lot of friction. No, almost, no, the ball has no friction. It loses no speed ever. So there's this beautiful thing where if you hit it in a like at an angle and it goes bouncing around, creating this kind of like spiderweb thing, and I stand still because I have no idea what to do, it might never hit me because you might have knocked it into a kind of pattern whereby it'd be ricocheting at unbelievable speed, but never towards where I am, which means <laughs> I can just take swings endlessly at it. And, obvi- and then... It, you can also do all kinds of ludicrous stuff. Like you can hit your own ball again to give it more speed. So while everyone else in the arena is jumping around to avoid this ball that is your color, you can just stand in its path and just try and hit it harder and faster and faster and faster and faster until eventually the ball's going so fast that someone gets hit by it. Like it's, it's this is topical with uh, Rocket League as well because I was just, I'm writing a thing right now for The Guardian about like kind of uh, lessons video games can learn from board games. But one of the things is that Video games always chase like realistic physics, right? Yeah, That's realistic like, physics are actually less fun than. Turns out, physics. and we've got all these indie games now that are just saying, "Hey, you know what? When you're coding physics, maybe I can't do it perfectly. Maybe I don't have to. Maybe it's just really funny yeah. to have a baseball or a football or cars that jump or just all do, of this sort of stuff." Well, one of the one of the great little physics touches of Rocket League, right, is that when someone scores a goal. There's like a shock wave, and all the cars just go. <laughs> all the cars just go flying in random directions. And it's, it's, it's like you know, there's a goal. There's a huge air horn whenever the goal is scored, and everyone just explodes immediately. Oh, it's it's just a really fun physics touch. It's, it's really like the good. idea of being like, oh, switch it all off now. <laughs> switch off the physics. And even if you score the goal, you kind of trickle in. It's, sometimes this happens. The ball will just trickle in, and you and everyone will be gunning furiously towards what it. What was that game? And the faster you're going, the more violently you explode so say there's three defenders like <laughs> zooming towards the ball and you're just trickling it in a little bit and then they're, they're a few inches away and the ball goes in and they just go <laughs> straight back what was the game was it Burnout oh, I can't remember but there was a, a racing game I used to play an awful lot where um, now of course mostly what happens in racing games when you finish is your car just becomes automated and it just goes around the lap 
and it just carries on without you. Diddy Kong Racing style. Um, but I remember there was one where that when you finished, you just stopped after the line. Your car just stopped. <laughs> and then it meant it was this great thing where it meant... Oh, it just that, led to a pile-up. Yeah, it meant that even if you came last, it was quite cool. Because, I mean, if you came like quite late in the race, then it means like you'd at least be able to like power it as fast as you possibly could to just smash into oh, all man, the other I do that with... Um, was it GTA and uh, Dark, uh, Dark Knight as well? Mm-hmm. Like games where you drive around a city. Uh, which, what's the new Dark Knight game called? I forget the full name. Revenge of the Batman. That's it. Um, and uh, But the thing being, you have objectives that you need to drive to to trigger the mission. I swear this was the same in GTA Five as well. So you... you oh, can't, you just immediately stop. You immediately stop. As soon as you... So reach. yeah, I would have a thing where I would like be caning a sports car at 220 miles an hour towards this <laughs> tiny objective pin next to like... A restaurant, and hopefully you hit it, and you stop, and the mission starts. I got so if fucked off with uh, the thing in GTA Five when I was like, I got really into the kind of feeling like I was in the world, and being like, all right, I've got to get to this building, stop the car, get out, Parallel start walking park. down, and then it's like, oh no, you didn't quite park in the right place outside this building, and it wants me to park my car specifically there, and then you can get out and go to the building. It's like, fuck you, man! Like, let me choose where to park. <laughs> It's like have some, it would have been better if they had a passive aggressive thing saying you've parked it wrong you've got to a friend of mine back. This, this is a tangent a friend of mine invented a game in GCA Online um, where basically the idea was you go to the top of a river and you just let the ragdoll physics carry you down the river so you need a fast running river there's four of you at the top you all jump in and then you just try really hard to in the small moments where you have any influence over where your character is going to kind of guide them down the river and it's, you just kind of flop and ragdoll all the way down and you know, usually you just about survive it, but you know, whoever gets to the bottom first wins. I went on holiday with this friend last week, and we were in France in an actual rapids river, and we were canoeing. And he's it. dead. And, uh, <laughs> and one of the one of the optional things you can do in this river is you you kind of get out of your canoe and you go down the rapids with your like you you, you fly flat in your back. This is no river. longer GTA. This is no. This, this is, is in real life now. Okay. This is in real France. And you get out and you, you've got your life jacket on and everything. You just kind of float down the river in the rapids and it's really fun and exciting. But this one friend appeared to have taken all of his cues from GCA online and he, he put his feet down and just like tumbled ragdoll style all the way down this rapids in this river. Just occasionally his head would come up and he'd be like, it was very funny. It was real life ragdoll physics. I mean, ragdoll physics are still funny laughing. in real life. Yes. You can just go to YouTube and type in people falling over and it's exactly. really good. It's people really, really drunk. That's yeah. classic. Oh, it's classic YouTube. Oh, it's good. Very uh, drunk, falling over. Uh, I think that cockatoos, about... by the way, are my new favorite YouTube animal. On another tangent, oh, cockatoos. Cock- cockatoos are hilarious. Birds are nature's clowns. Check them out. But cockatoos being the ones with the yellow head ruff. Yeah, the the big white ones with the yellow head ruff. Yeah, so those are interesting. I, I really like birds. Uh, Me too. I love birds. Great. I had birds growing up. They were awesome. We should start bird cast. They, they pop it up and down like a big collar, don't they? Yeah, they, they do. Bird. But yeah. they they. Like the, big... It's a bird where you can actually read its mood because birds obviously have creepy, alien, inexpressive faces. But with cockatoos. You, the, what it does with its head rough determines whether it's kind of relaxed or angry or aroused, which I think are the only three moods a bird can be in. Uh, but yeah, no, <laughs> Same as me. Have, birds have pensive. Uh, no, they, they, don't, they don't really. They're, they're, just, really. they're just, they're, yeah, nature's cleanse. Pensive, aroused. Funny, What's sad. the difference? No, Funny, co- cockatoos sad. are great. What are we talking about? I was, thinking about <laughs> physics. I was just thinking about, like, uh, I find it fascinating with uh, Rocket League because obviously it isn't a new idea by any means. I remember, like, I think Excite Bike 64 and loads of other, like, um, kind of cart-based things or car-based things often had a kind of fun aside thing of being like, oh, football with cars. Yeah. And I don't know what it is about trying to play football with cars, but it's always brilliant. I think <laughs> and every time I've seen a game that has been like, try and play a ball-based sports game in a vehicle, it has this weird thing of, I think it's because... I think because it's so clearly something that you're not supposed to be able to do and it's just so difficult to do 
things that if you you know if you were there physically and it was just a ball, you could make it do what you wanted to quite easily. Well, this is the principle behind uh, famous game of the year Octodad, right? Yeah, yeah, quite, yeah. yeah. It is, but I think it's just also that that wonder of the competitiveness of you being so single-mindedly trying to get knock a ball into a goal and then not knowing where someone else is and coming out of nowhere. There's, oh man, there's so many gifts I will show you after this podcast. So. <laughs> I think I've seen quite a few. It's of them, a very gif-rich game. One of the things that um, I didn't know about Rocket League until I played it for hours and hours was that it's actually <laughs> the sequel to a game that no one's ever heard. Oh of. really? Yeah, the game's called something like Acrobatic Jet-Powered Rocket Cars. Or something oh really bad like that. yeah, that was around when I was working up for Rock Paper Shotgun. Yeah, so it's the sequel to that game, and so sometimes you encounter somebody online who's unfeasibly good. And it turns out that they've been playing that game for five years. And now and they can't believe so their lucky stars. They're like, Speaking that's of my which, time. Uh, last week marked my 10th year anniversary of being a video games journalist professionally. Congratulations. Wow. I got my first job as a staff writer on a magazine. Not many people do it that long. I know. I feel like I've survived longer than, than many. Just surviving is nice. One thing I would say <laughs> is... Um, I haven't played Rocket League yet, mainly because everyone's been going you know, nuts about it, and I kind of thought, if it's really that good, if I start trying to play it, I'm just going to want to play it all the time, and I've got so many things to do at the it's moment like that, yeah. that I just, unfortunately, don't actually have time to play any video games for the next week, but that's fine. Um, but it reminds me a lot of um, something which was massively underrated, and not completely unfairly, but uh, Banjo-Kazooie Nuts and Bolts, which is now actually... That was an interesting game. ...just mm. come out again in the, the kind Very of rare really. pack... Which is really annoying. I haven't got an Xbox One, but I really want one just so I can play Viva Pinata again. Obviously, I, can't, I can't afford to lose any more of my life to Viva Pinata. I played that game for 100 hours. I know, That's I know. ridiculous. Wow. That's. <laughs> I just. My only memory of Viva Pinata is being incredibly hungover on a friend's sofa. And the friend was then, I think, the editor of Windows Magazine. And uh, he had to play Viva Pinata. And neither of us knew what to expect. We were both incredibly hungover. And I sort of woke up dimly on his couch and he was swearing at the mon- swearing at the TV it was John T which may make this story funnier for yeah, you now. Yeah. but he was just going I can't breathe these damn fudge hogs <laughs> and as you're the first sentence that introduces you to Viva Pinata it's like that's good it's like- dog eat dog or indeed lion eat chicken it's annoying because I've got a, I've got a copy of it on the PC and I kind of would like to try and install it and capture from it but I, I wonder if it's going to be troublesome on PC these days let's it's... go back to nuts and bolts though, yes nuts and bolts I, I don't want to forget this because yeah this this if you don't know it and probably you don't let's be realistic it was a Banjo-Kazooie game it wasn't anything like a Banjo-Kazooie game except it was a 3D open world going levels all that stuff except it was all vehicle based and you build the vehicles out of parts you assemble these vehicles yourself right so in my you might get a helicopter rotor and it's like, okay, here's a shit helicopter. But then, you know, you want to improve it, so you want to give it, what was it, like better engines and more vertical thrust and stuff. And then loads of challenges around the world weren't, you know, Metroidvania style. Oh, you got the double jump, now you can go to areas. It was like, no, here's an engine part. Now you realise, oh, I can give my sports car a better engine, which means maybe I can do that jump. And then you try yeah. to jump and you can't or whatever. It yeah. was so it's, it, basically, it was a, that kind of engineering puzzle game. Yeah. What's that? Which uh, is an amazing Ter- idea. Terratech is a recent... PC game along the same lines. Yeah, I have no doubt. I mean, there's all kinds of... I mean, Polybridge is the I think other the thing, related yeah, thing everyone's The thing I loved about it was it was very simple, but um, it also had these quite simple things in the fact that you kind of had... You had to worry about weight and stuff, and you had to worry about the number of bricks you could use and space, and there were limitations to what you could do, and so you had to think quite carefully about all sorts of things, about, like, you know, is it getting too heavy or is it getting too unwieldy? And sometimes you ha- what I found was that it kind of allowed you to be a bad engineer... <laughs> the fact that if you were trying to make something that was a flying machine and it kept veering off too far to the forward, then you just put some more bricks on, on the front, <laughs> and on the back, and then 
it would be fine. I and I, it was kind of like you, I knew that I wasn't good at it, but. The thing that's lovely about it as well is, um, it, the, the, I'll get to what the problem with the game was, that the game reviewed very badly, and I honestly think that the problem with the game is that the first world is just wonderful. It's actually just this incredible living place. Um, what was it? I forget. So much detail. It was a wonderful like hills that were all like patchwork, but then it all looked like verdant and green, but then you realise that it was all like patchworks of metal so all the green grass oh yeah no, everything in that game was made of was made of metal yeah but it looks but the first world it did that kind of um, Truman Show thing of the fact that you could basically it was a, an island and then the water but then you could get to the edge of the water and the sky was just a wall of metal and then you could go up <laughs> into the sky and the clouds were these giant metal things that were rotating and it was like you were in a big you could go up into the cogs where where the, all of the clouds and the sun were being turned from. <laughs> and it was just a beautiful piece of design. But the puzzles were all things like get up onto this high platform. And it was like you had to... You didn't really have the ability to fly at this point, so you had to try and make... A jump or... Like, a make a car that could jump. I mean, this or... was what made me ultimately like put my pad down and have a really long walk because I was so angry with the game and never pick it up again. It, was the, like, it tasks you with problems... And maybe you don't necessarily have the parts for that yet, but you don't know. It's not like in, in again, Metroid, where you go, oh, I don't have the rockets. I know I cannot do this. With this, it's like, maybe I can do that jump. Maybe I'm supposed to do that jump. I'll try and do it over and over and over again with my bad car. Yeah. No, no, can't do it, I guess. But you also never really know. No. And no shit. And most of them you could beat just by using, because there was no, like, guidelines. There was no balancing. Well, there was slightly, but not really. Um, it just balanced it by being like, well, we won't let them fly yet, which was kind of like, <laughs> or things like that. Um, but then it was Gosh. it was wonderful in the fact that occasionally you try something, you do a little test run, you go, okay, right, that's what I've got to do to, to complete this. And then you'd spend like an hour and a half. I remember one point building a custom vehicle where the idea was I had to push something into a volcano and then dip it in the lava and bring it back. And it meant I made this helicopter with a cage that could like, <laughs> drop down to a certain level and then I had like the only way I could elevate myself quickly enough I think it was a car that drove up and then fell into the volcano and then I activated all these balloons and the balloons were activated and I floated out of it again <laughs> and it was this weird custom vehicle that was only useful for that one task but having the idea and then executing it and it all working perfectly as a little invention just was one of my greatest game experiences of that year if not ever I mean it's definitely a game that was I think really only held back I mean open worlds make everything great right go anywhere do anything not in that game because the gating is just impossible to read it became this horrible mess in the fact that unfortunately like in the early stages when it was a bit more restrictive in terms of what you could use um, each little challenge felt like an exciting puzzle and um, actually when you started doing the racing challenge as well like racing in a car or racing in a plane there was a certain uh, kind of thrill to working out how to make a really fast really maneuverable plane and when you when you got one that handled like something in a video game and you got one that thought oh my god this plane flies amazingly and you knew that you built that like from scratch and you'd gone through all the iterations where it flew awfully (laughs) was amazing but then later on it was like well it was things like you know use make a tank kill other things or like race faster and it became. It didn't have any way to be continue to be inventive, and I really think it's one of those games that reviewers maybe just had that thing of just sitting and trying to play through it too quickly, yeah. and trying to trying to get far in that game would have been really unpleasant. Have, have you guys ever heard of the game Space Station Silicon Valley? Yeah, yeah, of course I have. That, that reminds me very much of my experience of playing Space Station Silicon Valley. It's an N sixty four game. I think it might have been by DMA Design. Mm-hmm. It came out companies. on. It was called Evo's Adventure, and it came out on the PlayStation it before did. that. I've yeah. got it on PlayStation. Did it come out before or after? I think it was uh, after on the PlayStation. Maybe I'm wrong. Ooh, I don't know. But what yeah. was it? So it was basically 
you are a robot. You crash land with your human pilot on a alien ecosystem that is populated entirely by robot animals. Uh, then when you crash, your robot, all your parts fly away and you're just this little chip. And so you can reanimate the robot corpses of animals. Hmm. So the first thing you find is a dead robot sheep that you ran over with your spaceship. <laughs> and you can press the, the R button on the, on the N64 controller and you become that sheep. So the puzzles in the game are basically, you, you're dropped into a level which was like small open worlds, like obviously N64 sized open worlds. And there'd be all these different animals in the level. And they'd all be very dangerous to you because you'd be a shit animal at the beginning. And you'd well, have what to do you define as a shit animal? Or like sheep, a sheep? Mouse. Sheeps, thank you very much. They provide food. They couldn't even what? jump, I think. The sheeps couldn't even jump. I think all they did was You had to get a spring sheep to jump because obviously they're all robots. So there's like a spring sheep that had like a spring instead of legs and they could they were useful. They could jump and they could drill down. Um, or or like if, if you were... A, you had rocket dogs. Had dog rocket dogs, wheels dogs with, uh, with missiles that could shoot with missiles. They could fire rockets, yeah. yeah. they could fire rockets. And basically, so the, the point was... You could be any animal, but you had to figure out a way to kill it with the shit animal that you currently were. <laughs> so what you'd end up doing, wow. in yeah. one of the levels, there was this where you started out as a mouse and you could get a rocket dog. But in order to get the rocket dog, you had to lure the rocket dog with the mouse into an arena where there was a robot bear. And then the robot bear and the robot dog would fight to the death. And whichever one died, you would then reanimate and, you know... What was this That's called? Kind of, it's called Space Station Silicon Valley. It's really good. It was really good. And, uh, but again, it was quite frustrating. It was very frustrating because it was slightly broken. It was almost it, like a point and click game in a weird way. Yeah, of, like you'd spend a lot of time just not knowing what you so had to do. There'd be these puzzles, and the reason this reminded me of Banjo Kazooie Nuts and Balls is that there'd be these puzzles, like for instance, there'd be a thing on a high ledge, right? And what you're supposed to do is find the spring sheep and jump with the spring sheep, and then you can get up there. But see you say you hadn't seen the spring sheep, what you might end up doing is say building a massive pyramid of corpses of every other animal <laughs> in the level and like jumping through all of the other animals and making like a ladder of dead robot animals and eventually getting up there anyway. There, there were a lot of ways to fudge. Yeah. There were a lot of ways to fudge I the objective. It was That's a really odd game. Want, it was right? such a fun game. It was funny as hell. I mean, if you're really making funny. an engineering yeah. game, you also need to bake into it the ability to force your way through if you don't see the obvious solution it, yeah. or, for, or for you to immediately realise that you're Absolutely. doing it wrong but I'd say what I'd say with uh, Nuts and Bolts especially now it's part of the rare collection on the Xbox One I don't have an Xbox One but if you've got an Xbox One and you've already picked up that collection it's always been hard to play to people oh go and track down Nuts and Bolts and get your 360 out of the box and put it back in but it is it's not a game that's worth like trying to complete but it's a game that's worth just playing until you're fed up with it and then just as soon as you're fed up stop and it won't take that long but you'll have an incredible like six or seven hours. I made a rocket dinosaur at one point. I made a, I made a elephant, which was an elephant that was a helicopter. And it was just, it was So one of those wonderful. games that was like a really good idea that didn't quite have a game to put it in. Yeah. I mean, I, really it, I, I think it really did for the first area, but then afterwards it just felt like really diminishing returns. And yeah. it's a real shame because it could have been something genuinely very special. Could have I, been Space Station Silicon Valley. <sighs> I definitely do want to ask you, Keza, about the thing that uh, you published recently. I want to talk oh, about... talking of broken games. We're talking about <laughs> any number of things that d didn't need to exist. Uh, PlayStation Home. Mm. So what was it that... Because you, what was it you published on Kotaku UK recently? It was um, it was an article called The Untold Story of PlayStation Home, Sony's <laughs> Most Successful Disaster. Okay. Most successful... Ooh, this is this is good. Yes. This is, that's like and a mystery story. I spent like... I spent more than a year reporting this because I've been fascinated with PlayStation Home for a while. Because I played it a lot when I was living in Japan. Because PlayStation Home in Japan was really... I mean, not good. It was never good. But it was certainly interesting. There was this one company called IREM that used to make these spaces like... 
a Matsuri festival space where you'd turn up and they'd have made little mini games you could play at stalls, like the equivalent of pick up the duck with the stick and throw the I love ball that game. It's yeah. the best game. <laughs> throw the just game of the year in 1962, <laughs> I think. Yeah. Although they, they were a bit annoyed you couldn't talk to the ducks. It was true. That was a classic edge joke. Classic. Good edge so, but but so I'm I'm I think there might be a few people out there to whom PlayStation Home slipped them by. Yeah. PlayStation Home was <laughs> At its best, one of the most glorious surreal things that was ever on the PS3. It was if I mean honestly, like if David Lynch was ever tasked yes. with making a video game, I suspect it would be PlayStation. For Home. example, there was a while where and and it became this strange fusion of things. But there was a while when, uh, for instance, they'd use it to promote SingStar. Dizzy Rascal played in inverted commas PlayStation Home, which meant that you could load, you could spend ten minutes waiting to load into the area in which he was playing, and then. When you, you loaded in, best song. <laughs> yes, when you loaded in, um, and bonkers would be halfway through, and you'd listen to a minute of it, and then it would loop endlessly. And if you listened to the entirety of one song, you would get a special fucked up Dizzy Rascal mask to wear. And so everybody in PlayStation Home for about three months was just walking around with Dizzy Rascal face. So you logged in, and it was a hundred people Dizzy dressed Rascal as Dizzy faces. Rascal. I, I'm going to outline PlayStation Home much as there are loads of amazing things we could say about it because this was. The, the way I would describe it to people if, if they haven't uh, played it before, you're aware of Second Life. You know, a, a wonderful realm where you can live in it and you can do anything. But you will just have a sex party with mannequins in an underground dungeon. That the is... first thing that ever happened to me in Second Life was that a squirrel walked up to me and offered to sell me a bucket of AIDS. That was... Yeah. It's the second life we've always dreamed but of. But the amazing thing now is that Second Life is basically Fallout 3 where you walk around endless empty sex dungeons yeah, forever. Marriage, yeah. So, it, But Second Life's main selling point has always been that you can have a sex dungeon, that you can do anything, you can sell a bucket of AIDS. Whereas PlayStation Home was like, what if it was Second Life but you could only do an extremely tiny, specific... Really mega limited. Narrow. So my first experience of Second Life, I mean, sorry, of PlayStation Home... Was being, you know, loading up and walking around these like weird, entirely sterile plazas. Yes. Being given my apartment, which has nothing in it, like a like a mine, like like a flat I've bought, but have no money for furniture, no ability to buy furniture. It's a suspiciously nice flat for someone who an incredibly have any nice flat. Yeah. But I can invite friends over. There's nothing to do in my flat. Exactly. And then going to the plaza and you know, do you want to go bowling? It's like, yeah, okay, I'll go bowling. That's the I've never actually played it. I remember reading lots of very stuff. You know what, Matt? Oh, but no, here's what we, people shout all over it, but. Millions of people legitimately loved it. Well, they really did. So, really? Yes. So here's the thing, Matt. If you haven't played this, I can tell you what happens when you walk into the bowling alley. You can see a load of a load of bowling alleys. Do you want to go bowling? I do. Well, you can't. You have to wait your turn. And you got to press the X button and then wait ten to fifteen minutes. Because there were loads of people available. that wanted to go bowling. And they didn't have the so. <laughs> wait, I spoke, no, we, I, can we just outline a few more examples? I have ever that. been to a bowling alley where you have to wait more than ten minutes. You do PlayStation Home. There was a game that Irem did, which was an April Fool's game that essentially turned the whole of PlayStation Home into a meta RPG where you had to find various <sighs> characters and solve riddles. And the further you got in the game, the longer your nose would grow, like Pinocchio. Oh god, I remember this. So for about a day and a half, <laughs> in like 2010 or something, for about a day and a half, everybody in PlayStation Home was walking around at like three frames per second because the server could not handle this with these enormous noses. <laughs> and then it became to the point where it just brought PlayStation Home like to its knees, and they had to just cancel the whole thing, and everyone just randomly went back to normal, and no one ever figured out, no one ever found out what happened at the end of that game. <laughs> no one ever knew the conclusion to Irem's crazy April Fool's Day nose-expanding RPG. So I mean. It, it is, that kind of thing would happen all the time. You could you could go to a movie theatre, man. Can I ask a question? 
Yes, come probably. Am I still awake? <laughs> you could get, wait, because we, every, Keza and I can tell stories that only makes this weirder. You, again, one of the features that it launches, you can log in, you can go to your cool apartment, you can walk into town, you can go to a movie theatre. What's playing at the movie theatre, do you think? Bowling. Trailers. Trailers. For, for, for Sony games. Yes. For real. For real. So you, that for actually, games. that, you know, I, I can see, if even if I don't want to do that, I can understand the meeting at which that was pitched and people went, yeah, make it. You go into the theatre and then you spawn in the theatre with everyone else watching the thing. You can't actually, if memory serves, full screen the video. No. You could press a button to zoom your character's view in slightly, which would cause the movie to take up about half the screen. The final thing... People communicate in PlayStation Home via speech bubbles. So when oh, people and the Running Man, and and yes, and doing the Running Man, it's a, it's a language based entirely of speech bubbles <laughs> in the Running Man. But when people would watch a trailer and inevitably heckle it because video games, um, the speech bubble would fill up, would appear in front of you if they're sat in front of you, so you wouldn't even be able to see the trailer. You could just see the speech bubble. It was so broken, and I was, I spent a year interviewing everybody I could find who'd ever worked on PlayStation Home with the view to answering the question. What the fuck <laughs> went down with PlayStation Home? Because it was clearly broke. It never had that beta tag come up. It never came off. It was never finished. But it lived for, I think it was six years? Longer than it needed to. It lived for a very long time. Yeah. And I mean, digital euthanasia should have been in there a yes. lot earlier. But the weird thing... So PlayStation Home started off as the online version of a game called The Getaway. And it was going to be a lobby system where you basically got together with your friends in London pubs. We didn't did know heist. this when it was first launched? No. Okay. Is this all then, part of the article? Yes. Yeah. This is. This is. Yeah. And so, um, what, do we, what do people want to Google if they want to read the yeah, full article? Oh, it's did the untold story of PlayStation Home. We'll okay. get you there. Um, and it's basically I talked to I talked to about fifteen different people who were involved with various aspects of PlayStation Home. And the original vision was for this kind of almost cartoonish thing, like anime style almost. Mm-hmm. And it was going to be a place where you could go and just do silly shit. It was going to be kind of crazy like a series of pubs for the getaway. Yeah, that, so that was the original thing, and then it morphed into this like silly, like anime styled open world where you could just do fun stuff. Okay, things. so did Sony look at the project and go, actually, this is really cool, and it's a good way of selling. Phil Harrison became obsessed with it, and he was Sony's uh, head of like acquisition of talent and uh, internal studios. Uh-huh. So he saw the pro- this, the, and he wanted it to be a flagship PS3 product, right? The problem was. They originally had quite a simple stylized game, and they're like, "No, this has to be flagship PS3 graphics now," which literally uh. was it was it was the, the whole thing with PlayStation Home is that it was not technically possible. None of PlayStation Home was technically possible with the tools available to the people who were trying to make it. So from day one, they were scuppered. So for instance, they made these stylized anime style faces, and then they went, "No, you need to do proper photorealistic human okay, faces." Okay, that explains why everyone looks like a mannequin. Exactly, all the faces look really weird. They had these racial archetypes that they had, uh-huh. and it didn't work properly. So they just smooshed all the racial archetypes together, which is why everyone looks so weird in the face. Wow! In PlayStation, but presumably have... it would have looked more weird if they'd stuck with the weird. Well, racial the racial archetypes diverse. at least would have looked like the like like a real person. It just would have looked like an, an archetype of a person. Whereas okay. the, what they ended up with was you, people people would have like very strange combinations of different features that's what the world's going to be like in the future yeah. no it's not it you're not going to have like <laughs> the features Brave of a New black world. man with entirely white albino the, skin the, yeah you are yeah you are <laughs> but then with like Asian style eyes as well like they basically oh, God, just, yes. it all ended up just completely mashed up and it was really weird um, and then so they had these really detailed characters but then they couldn't possibly stream in the environments that they had because they didn't have any because they had all these crazy yeah. faces to do <laughs> yeah, exactly they had to render all the crazy faces so all the environments are really sterile and, and everyone, they weren't a bad time at the time with the PS3 architecture anyway and trying to get it yeah. to do anything and this is it like every time you and every time you tried to load anything in PlayStation Home for the first probably two years you had to wait ten minutes for it to download to your system before you could go into the space yeah 
And all the spaces were very weird, sterile and large because they had to have, they just couldn't have any detail in the spaces because the faces were taking up all the memory that they needed to make the detail. And it was just, the whole thing was fucked. But it started making a lot of money. Okay, see, now this is the part that I that I want to get on to. Genuinely. I had no idea. It no. made a fortune. They spent four years developing it before it even got into the beta stage. And from what I've heard, it it made back its money and some. I, well, because they started doing things like have a Santa costume. And I spoke to some people who worked on it at the beginning. And they were like, well, we'll sell stuff for 50p, you know. They brought out a Santa costume. It was 7 Wow. People snapped it up. People were all over it. So then, this started happening. They so started making some money there were people back. who socialised in this space? Yes, there were people who were fashion-obsessed PlayStation Home users who would buy every new item, and it was like a like an Instagram for a PlayStation. I guess you don't need that many mad fuckers to exactly. buy everything you make. So yeah, I believe so in, uh, in the mobile free-to-play arena, it is known as the mad fucker market economic pattern. The mad fucking whales. <laughs> this ended up happening with PlayStation Home, and the games didn't work. They couldn't get any of the technology stuff that they wanted to work. They couldn't get voice chat to work. They couldn't get game launching to work. Nothing worked, but people were spending money. <laughs> so they just ended up... Oh Sony, Sony well, this is a model that's now been like, taken on and pioneered on Steam with early Absolutely. access. Absolutely. <laughs> it's how the world works It was now. proto-Team Fortress 2 hats. Yeah. Somebody was saying to me the other day, after like looking at my rubbish game maker crab thing, they were like, you could probably put that on early access. And I know, like, laughed. And they were like, no, you probably could. No, <laughs> it's like... So this... this uh, they had all these visions for basically it being very integrated with all Sony's games. So like the Uncharted's, the uh, you know the the I can't think of any of the Sony. Oh games. man, do you know? Do you mind if I, if everybody's I, golf's all this kind of thing. If I stop you there and just describe the coolest thing I saw them do in PlayStation Home, the mm-hmm. one thing that actually happened which made me go, "This is incredible." Um, as far as a marketing thing for a game goes, it was Resident Evil Five Land. Remember that? You go there. I do remember that. So th- what what they did was they made uh, the first level. Yeah, I think it was the first level of Resident Evil Five. It's a bad game. You know, a dusty desert environment. And I guess they pulled in all the art assets because it looks identical, except obviously it's not got zombies and, uh, you know, like... Racism. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, no, it was probably... In fact, in that in that sense, it was better than the original game. You know what? I quite like Resi 5. I, Resi 6, no time. But Resi 5 was, was just camp nonsense. Well, I, um, That bit where you have to punch a boulder. It was awful, don't yeah. get me wrong. But it, it, it was one of the things where I got... I, I love, always love the fact that I started off and thought, Wow, this is really racially insensitive. And then I loved it that when you you go underneath South Africa and you find Aztec ruins, oh, yeah. famously South American. Of course. And at that point, I started laughing. I thought it's not really that it's it's just they oh, just Japan. don't have a fucking clue, do they? Yeah, they it's not they intentional. It's just Japan. Yeah, it's just, yeah. just pure Japan. But, yeah. So, but the, the space for that was good, right? So what they did, and you might appreciate this as a Resi Five fan, is that uh, hey, you, hey, steady. <laughs> you walk through this area, but it's a film set. So here's the thing, it was the first level of Resident Evil 5, but any time, like certain doors that have doorways in the game, you walk through, and then it's propped up by wooden struts. So they recreated the whole Resi 5 level as if it was being made as a movie, and you could walk around behind the scenes, and the, the whole theme of the area was, come for a tour of the lot, the film lot, and you could see maps of the area, and you could... I like that. It's buckets and paint and stuff. It was really cool. But but imagine, imagine every single developer who wanted to make something for home had to go to that effort. Nobody could be bothered. Nobody could be bothered. Yeah. It took a lot of effort. So it oh my God, yeah, architecture no. was so broke. I just remembered the Uncharted Bar. Yes. Which was... The the m- awful. It was, <laughs> there was just nothing. It was like... It was a terrible bar. Very well you detailed. You couldn't even you interact. Couldn't, you couldn't interact with anything. You couldn't you? do anything. It was a bar and you walked around it and then it was 40 mannequins doing nothing in a bar. Doing the running man. 
Doing the Running Man. Yeah. Sorry, yes. <laughs> so basically, every developer who who was supposed to work with PlayStation Home were like, "This is fucking. Bu- this is bullshit. We're not doing it." So you know, everyone trying to make assets for it, they were like, "No." So it got handed off to a few third party developers, like uh, End Dreams is one, and there were a few others, and they just ended up making yachts and handbags no. for it for years, for like four or five years. End Dreams made six figure sums out of PlayStation Home from making handbags and yachts, like after everybody else had left it behind. And so it ended up as this weird, sterile vortex of consumerism where all that there was to do was buy pointless things and then invite other people to look at them. That was, the, Holy that was all that ended up happening. Shit. So PlayStation Home, it got so profitable that Sony, I'm sure they would have loved to have been like, look, this didn't work, we'll shut it down. But they couldn't because it was making so much money, they couldn't shut it down. It made millions, I've heard. That's unbelievable. Isn't it? Incredible stuff. So yeah, the, the story of PlayStation Home is, is one of these just incredible hubris stories where... You know, they, they, they wanted it to be a thing that it couldn't possibly have been. But then what it ended up being, it limped along for all these years because they couldn't shut it down because oh, it was so the idea that they accidentally created a consumerist hellscape. Exactly. Exactly. Isn't well, that's that the same thing that happened with the, the Sims games, didn't they? Yeah, kind <laughs> Started of. Well, no, but the Sims are good games, though. They work. Yeah, the Sims no, yes, also, in like you know, you can pay for the Sims and have a good time playing the Sims. But this seems to be quite a frequent thing in... Um, in like games of having kind of these weird unfinished things that people happily spend time and pour it's, lots of their money it's, it's into. It's a total monument to me to to Western consumerism, PlayStation Home. It's like it's a pointless sterile area in which nothing happens. See, but you I, can still buy stuff. Did you interview any of the people who existed, like any of the community members or anything? So I tried that, but I I, I didn't really get anywhere. There was there was a few very prominent community members, and I was going to write a companion piece about them and their their kind of time. I mean, do they walk out to people? Do they say hi? Do they chat? Do they have? Do they like cyber? Is that even the right word? I don't know. Are they having sex in yachts? I presume that they must have been able to. Well, you couldn't do any animations. Obviously, it's not like Second Life. You could. But you you can talk via microphones. Because let me tell you, that's all that's required. You can pretend. Yeah, I think do the running man in a corner. Come on, guys, let's do it right now. Let's pretend we're having sex on a yacht. Really don't want to. All right, we'll do it next week. <laughs> but there was, Tune in next week when I won't be here. <laughs> there were some people who you know, passionately love PlayStation Home who I did talk to, you know, a bit. But a lot of them were so because I only started um, talking to them after it shut down in March this year, and they were mm. so sad about it they didn't really want to talk about it. I've seen, I haven't oh. been playing. God, that, sorry, I was yeah. <laughs> I was reeling and running from my next comment, and, and and I'm only now processing that. But um, I haven't been playing Splatoon, but I've been seeing some gifts that imply the Splatoon hub area seems quite fun as well. Splatoon's really fun. I mean, I, I I'm I'm gonna. It's play the it. kind of game Sega would have made in the Dreamcast era. I, I yeah, I can see that. I I need to get the Wii U and get Splatoon and affordable space adventures. Not, oh no, hang on, I got you a 3DS, didn't I? Did I get you that 3DS? No. I think I gave you a 3DS. I don't think you did. Who did I give a 3DS? I was just desperate for people to play Monster Hunter with me. No, this I played it on the Wii U. Remember? Oh, that's right, that's the one. Yeah, what we had we had a great time. It still exists. I'm gonna du- blow the dust off and play affordable space adventures in Splatoon. <laughs> sort of affordable space adventures. Yes. What's that? Uh, oh, co-op space adventuring where. You're, you're all trying to control the same spaceship but you've oh, got okay. three different controllers no, I know, I, so I, I, know, I, know I know that is yeah. now I know yeah, that is now I'm still reeling about the home thing the idea of having to wait 10 to 15 minutes to go bowling yeah <laughs> I thought back mine through or just my, to go anywhere I don't know what it's like in other places in the world but whenever I've gone to a bowling alley and someone said oh no you've got to wait more than 10 minutes to bowl you just think well fuck it we'll do laser quest instead yes. yeah, like, or I'll we'll go to the arcade go to the arcade I mean, play yeah. on a time crisis bear in mind like this is, a, this is also a world where it takes you a few minutes to get into your flat I pay on point yeah, blank. Yeah, li- literally a few minutes to, to just move into a, into a place. And people loved it. And people that are thing. sad it's gone. You've yeah. mentioned point blank. You've made a mistake. I need to now tell briefly the story. I went to a small bar, I forget the name of it, in London, which had some arcade machines, and they had the ori- an original Asteroids cabinet. 
Holy shit, have you guys ever played Asteroids in a Cabinet? Not in a cabinet, not like not like <laughs> asteroids on your phone sat in a cabinet, but like the asteroids cabinet. Keep getting me to we get into cupboards. We can try that cupboards. right now, there's soundproofing on the end of the I know, cupboard, right? I'm fed up with you trying to get me to play games when I'm in a cupboard. Look, look, you could, I remember that distinctly when they first sold the Wavebird wireless controllers, and obviously now wireless controllers are a thing, but I distinctly remember the internet forum I was part of, everyone making fun of it. It's like, oh, now I can play my video games sat in a cupboard. But you don't. But, you know, it turns out... Jokes on them, wireless controls are good. Anyway, Asteroids Cabinet has vector graphics, right? Which means... Oh, it, perfect, pure, beautiful lines. Yeah, no, it, incredibly... I, I, if you don't know what vector graphics are, it means that it's drawing the the graphics on the monitor with lines. Bright no white lines. No pixels. And you don't understand how staggeringly beautiful that is until you see it. It's like we have LED technology. It's similar to an LED, but in a line. And you haven't seen it before because that technology does not exist anymore. I had a and it's a great game. My, I had an ex-boyfriend who was even nerdier than me, <laughs> and uh, he was obsessed with the only ever vector-based console, the Vectrex. Holy shit! And he saved up for about three years to buy because they're really expensive. He saved up for about three years to buy the the Vectrex, which had about three games ever made for it. But I gotta say, when when it when it arrived and I looked at it, it was it was something like I'd never seen anything so so pretty because the the lines are just pure. There's no. Yeah, it's it no just pixelation. It, it it's just nothing. It's just, and it looks really stylized even now. Fascinating mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah, it, it just beautiful, beautiful. It must have been a Vectrex version of Asteroids. This is very niche now. <laughs> <laughs> Should we answer some questions? It's yeah. like the only thing I know about vectors is through with Adobe Illustrator and After Effects. If I start talking about that, we're really going to lose the audience quite quickly. <laughs> I saw a question that I was excited to answer. All right, let's do some questions. Question number one. We've got a question from Pip Turner. He says, "I'm exhausted. I feel you, Pip. I do." Give me something relaxing slash therapeutic to play. Everybody's gone to the rapture. There we are. There we are. I haven't actually played this. You've played it a little bit. You might as well I, very I did, briefly. I played it with my mum. My mum came down recently. Is she a programmer? Uh, <laughs> she's MLG. Oh, cool. uh, She, she uh, subsists entirely from Doritos. I mentioned That stands you. for Mother Loves Games. <laughs> <laughs> Good. She came down and uh, the last game I played with her that I remember was Journey. So another, you know, one of those games where you walk around and look at pretty things. But she got super into Everybody's Gone to the Rapture. I find it very soothing. I mean, it's a bit, it's a bit disturbing. <laughs> then you kind of, you, that just sort of floats away from you. You're just walking around in this idealised English village and you, you forget about the I've heard it's a bit like being trapped in Emmerdale, but like if the plane crash had killed everybody. Yeah, yes. Or, or yeah, a, a version of the Archers where everybody exists as motes of light. <laughs> that's, that's also another <laughs> <laughs> but, but do they still talk in quite a tired, like... Oh yeah, I'm getting on all right. Yes, it's, it's just exactly been like so that. busy down at the farm, that, yes. and it's hard to lift these bloody bags. Now so, I'm a mote of light. So, yeah, it's a really great impression of everybody's gone to the rapture. Is it? Doing with, yeah, it is just the archers then. Yes, I do. I recommend that. It's, it's quite calming. I'm going to pop in a cheeky recommendation for City Skylines because I assumed uh, you know like city builders I always assume they're going to be stressful. But the City Skylines just like you want to build a city and you go yeah, and then it goes here's a street. And you go, that's great. Thanks, City Skylines. The roads in that game are so beautiful. You just put it on a road, there are cars on it. It's wicked. So good. You can make, like, infinity roads. You can make beautiful intersections. And then you re- you want to put down an intersection, but then you have to demolish everyone's house. Yeah, but there's a pretty intersection, so it's all good. Ultimately, yes. yes. I'm trying to think of something. I don't know. Not all of us have to provide soothing games. You no, can, you can provide I find Monster ones. Hunter very soothing, oh, but that's God. only because I played it for too long. No, I can't now. I've I've hit uh, G rank, and there's nothing soothing about Monster Hunter anymore. It's and the now G-rank like is, yeah. it's just full on all the time. Mm. It's like, are you concentrating? No. <laughs> well, then concentrate. I, even to the point where I went back and did all the really easy missions. 
just as a relaxing thing to do. And now they're all gone. <laughs> There's nothing but hardness. So I'm going to pass on that one. Stuart Neal, this is not a video games question, but I really liked it. So we're going to answer it. It's sort of, I've been playing a lot of heist games recently. I've been playing a lot of the Swindle, and I'm looking forward to getting into Invisible Ink again soon. But he asks, you have to pick five Disney characters for a heist team. Who do you choose and why? I'm going to adapt that. All right. You're going to adapt it? Yeah. I'm going to say just you have to choose a Disney character to be a part of your heist team. So we get three characters between the three of us. Do they have to work as a team? I think they should work as a team. Yeah, me too. I think they should all sort of uh, make up for each other's flaws. Mulan. She's got impersonation skills. Yeah. She's a badass. Yeah. Uh, she's really good with the sword if it comes to it. If it comes to if it. If it comes Let's to it. Let's hope it doesn't. If the shit hits the fan, GTA 5 heist style, Mulan would be very useful, plus impersonation skills. Uh, Used to living a lie. <laughs> I think she's great. She, she, she'd be great. I mean, I'm not going to argue with Mulan being, you know, on any team that because she's great. Uh, I'm going to add to that uh, Abu from ah. Aladdin. Small monkey able to fit through small gaps. Mulan's good, but she's quite, you know, she's a human. So maybe there'll be non-human sized gats and Abu will be there for her. It's good. Lumiere. Why? He's the candlestick he's from Beauty and the Beast. He's useless. He's what a do you French want him candlestick. For? I don't know. I just think I'll add like character to the team. No, but he's not of any practical use. He's a candlestick. Yeah, but he's a candlestick, isn't he? Matt, you've ruined the heist. We're all in prison. (laughs) Everyone's like, what the fuck's with this talking candlestick? (laughs) What use would he be? Lumia, actually, a distraction. But Abu's already a small monkey who can fit through tight I just really like Lumia. You know what? Oh, no, Lumia's good on a host. You know why? Because we can take him and we can sell him as part of the loot. It's true, but he's then a golden, oh, he's got, a golden candlestick. So essentially, it's just Mulan and uh, Abu, and, so, and we sell Lumiere, for, and we've already got some of our take before we've even started. I think the third character should be B Max, B Max from Big Hero Six. B, which one's B Max? He's the big, like marshmallowy oh, robot that can transform into anything. Oh yeah, he's very useful. Yeah. Yeah. Mostly, he could be the getaway. Then. I like him because they've realised how much comedy hay they can make out of the sound of him deflating, which yes, is a long really fart good. noise. It's a really good movie. It's great. I love that film. I, I love Big Hero Six. I know. I like the first half an hour, and then it turns into a really bad superhero film. Oh, I fell asleep after the first hour because I was on a plane. Oh, that's the best way to see it. <laughs> and I woke up for the end, and I just really enjoyed. It's, I it's found it pretty name, touching. B-Max. I, I think his it. name is B Max. I thought he was great. Sam Francisco is also a really great mashup of cities. Thanks, uh, Stuart Neil. That was a really good uh, question. I'm sorry about the candlestick. I was going to say Beast, <laughs> but then I thought Beast is too big, isn't he? He'd be very noticeable. He'd be great at taking out security. He'd just like he throw would. them about like a little ragdoll. If you were going for the Rambo approach. Yeah, right? That's, that's not a heist sure. anymore. That's no, just not a heist. B&E. That's just an attack. Yeah. I don't care. I just want the money. Okay. Michael Plocker asks... Designing a video game takes a long time. Why not make a board game instead? I think he must be referring to the fact we talked about this a little while ago that I've been trying to make a game very, very, very slowly. It's going to take ages because that's how it You've bloody works. You've got the works. blood spatter sorted though, haven't you? Yeah, I'm going to have to rework some of that though. Perhaps I don't have blood, so I think you should scrap it. Uh, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> well made. It's true, uh, they don't have any blood. What I would say to Michael Block- Blocker is that, uh, Michael, uh, you have a nice name. And also, while board games are immediately easy to like paper prototype and to tweak, and you don't need to learn to code and all that, uh, board games are really good now. And I, you know, have had the opportunity to design board games, and it just scares the bejesus out of me because um, it's all that refining and refining and refining and refining. Because when you don't have, you know, like coding set variables, and yes, all this stuff, like the idea of tweaking a board game until it turns from a functional game to fun is just. All of board game design. Yeah. I mean, so much of video game design is about, like, uh, stuff you can just immediately know. 
you can be playing around with something. Like I spend most of my Sunday like trying to tweak uh, the shooting in my game just to make it nice. And it's but you just, can do that by yourself. But then you do it by yourself and you keep changing things. And then one time you just do it and you just go, yeah, that's how I want it. And that, it's just, you know it's right. Whereas with a with board game, you could you could make these changes and then you have to sit and do it with four people for yeah. hours. Eric, Eric Lang, who did the XCOM board game and a load of other good stuff, very talented man, in, in, entirely wonderful, um, said that the way he playtests board games is to put them in front of a group. Like he, he has a totally new design, puts it in front of a group and watches what they have fun doing. It's like, when are they all smiling? And then you can, some, in some cases, junk everything else and will just keep the thing that makes them smile. Which is, I think, you know, a heartbreaking and interesting way to go about game design. Board I games. guess the other fundamental thing is you can have a, a, a board game, an analogue game, which is a bit broken, and you might not notice. However, if you've got a video game that's broken, you will notice. <laughs> <laughs> if something doesn't work, something really weird will happen. Like, yeah. you'll have... 800 crabs on the screen and it'll all be really big I really hope that your experience of game design making this crab game needs you to make all future metaphors with crabs yeah I think so I think I mean all games are about crabs aren't they fundamentally a polygon is a series of even smaller crabs some of them you just can't see in the game but they're there um, Alex Austin asks says where do you think the future of playing high end games remotely via PC slash tablet on live etc is going well, OnLive's already gone, isn't it? <laughs> I think it's all going in the bin. <laughs> the NVIDIA Shield, that incredibly successful thing where it's like, well, you're in your house with your computer. Why not play your game on a tablet instead of the computer that you've got right there? Yeah. You know what? You guys joke, but and I don't do this, but I know lots of my friends do use the Vita to play their PS4. I do. I do that. Uh, so, yeah, you, you're lying blood playing the Vita. So maybe I would I would play Invisible Ink on a tablet instead of on my PC. Mm. Joke's on you guys. The no, right. thing is, with most games which are actually playable um, on a tablet, like you probably could just run it on the tablet. Yeah, there's no from your PC. Um, the thing I found with this stuff, and I'm, I'm actually quite interested in this like local streaming stuff, and I bought... Well, have you seen the Windows 10 announcement today? You can now stream Xbox games to your Windows 10 PC. Oh, right. Again, I'm like, why? What's the point? Well, your, your Xbox is right over well, you know, there. You know who that's good for? That's good for kids who have like the Xbox in the living room and then a PC in their yeah. room. Or all people who don't have a powerful PC. I'm reaching here. <laughs> But I've got, um, I actually bought, because I, I did, you know, tried the Vita streaming a little bit, and I actually bought a, a are they called PlayStation TVs? The one which yeah. is basically a Vita. Yeah, the minis, yeah. Uh, but a Vita that goes, like, as a kind of little mini console. I bought one of them, because they were only, like, 40 quid. And I wanted to see, because it, it made this big deal about being like, oh, you can wire it up to your Ethernet. Uh, so I wanted to see how well it would actually stream my PS4 if my PS4 was wired up to the, you know, the mains and not the mains, that's a bad mains. idea. Well, it has to be wired up to the mains, but that's a different thing. All right. We'll talk about this later. Um, but no, we're both wired up with Ethernet cables and I kind of thought maybe it will be good. It's not. It's all right. Basically, it's exactly the same as on a Vita in the fact that the visual quality wasn't too bad, but you just have that slight lag, you know, lag, that yeah. tiny bit of lag. So fine if you're playing Destiny. Well, I was actually trying to play Destiny and I I actually played a lot of Destiny on the Vita and was blown away by how well like remote play works. Because there's no skill involved in that game. I mean there is, it's just a slow paced game. Like that's the thing, is it's just a case of you can just line up headshots and move around and uh, and, and kind of take your time with it. But you can't play very well on it. Like I remember trying to play it and I could log on this was over Christmas where I wasn't at home, I could log on to Destiny at my girlfriend's parents' house. Uh, and I could do my daily like things, do my daily quests, no problem. But if then people were like, "Oh, do you want to play Crucible? Oh, do you want to play like 
vol glass something it's just like i couldn't we've I made some so... kind of terrible mistake whereby we first started this question so we could answer it cheaply because it wasn't interesting and now somehow this always happens we're still discussing it but no, it doesn't work and i don't know why but it's like even when you're just going around your local network in your house streaming from one thing to another thing via ethernet just doesn't work i just don't understand what the point of it is uh, I think this it's a it's it is on live, an answer I, to a I understood problem. the point of on live, but again, like if you want to play video games, people buy video. I agree. Games. I think it, the whole thing is a bit of an answer to a problem that people don't have. It is definitely the most first world problem that you yeah. want to play a video game in a slightly different location. Oh, I know, and this house. is what's done. Within, the, but this is it, like a different location within the range of your local network. Oh in your yeah, house. I, mean, like, I literally uh, don't understand what circumstance. You know, I don't get it. Anyway, moving on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm part, of this prob- I'm part of this problem though. I bought one of these bloody 40 quid things when all I need to do is unplug my PS4 from here and take it to the other room. That's what I do. But I can't I be bothered doing it. I just unplug it and replug it. Can't be bothered doing it. Anyway. Um, Mauricio Cuevo. I probably got that wrong. Wow. Sorry. Do you want to try? The ambulance is on its way. Oh, Mauricio no, I was going to make fun Cuervo. of you. Mauricio Cuervo. Cuervo. You guys just said it with an accent. Right? Could have been but Italian. Um, it's going to be like Maurice. Yeah. Any you guys are any you guys Kingdom Hearts fan and excited for it? I think he'll let me off it, uh, because you can't do English as well. But that's fine. We're all friends. Have here. you played the series and what do you think? Of Basically, um, I, I actually really loved the first Kingdom Hearts game and I tried to play the second one and I think I got to the Pirates of the Caribbean land and I sort of thought, fucking, this is rubbish, isn't it? But you get to be Sora Simba with a yeah. little keyblade in his mouth. Yeah, I'm sure if I'd stuck with it, I would have enjoyed it. I think the problem is. With the first Kingdom Hearts, its scope of the Disney stuff was quite contained, and I found it all quite charming because it was all stuff I grew up with as a child. But then with the second one, it turns out now it's for kids that grew yeah. up slightly later. Well, no, no, that wasn't that long after. Kingdom Hearts Two had Tron World as well, which is pretty good. Yeah, wasn't there were a lot. Of really <laughs> You're listing all the properties that. Came, well, I guess these are also properties Disney were pushing because. Yeah, no, I mean, Kingdom Hearts 2 didn't come out that much longer after Kingdom Hearts. It's not like I went from being a child to being an adult. I was an adult when I was playing the first one. For sure, but this is this is still stuff in Kingdom Hearts that is for kids, right? Yeah, like, I mean, there was well, a, yeah, there was sure, also a Tarzan. I think there was a Tarzan bit in Kingdom Hearts 2 where I was like, oh, I don't care about that. Oh, yeah, I was yeah, recently yeah. really confused by... I saw online and then looked this up because I was just so baffled that Kingdom Hearts 2 has a gummy... Ship and a gummy yeah, world. Yeah, it does. So it, that's all like, really weird. Yeah. So the principle of like gummy as like a, a thing that Disney are invested in pushing, as in like gummy worms and gummy bears. But also, it's not the candy in the game. It's like a weird. It's not, rock. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's not. The, it's very. That's all. Do you know what Kingdom Hearts has possibly the most impenetrable story lore oh, of yeah. any game I've ever played, and I've played Dark Souls. Like <laughs> that's. The, I think that's lot. why the second one lost me. Actually, was I the first one was kind of like what. All right, and then the you second one just went all, off the You rocker. have to play all the DS spin-offs to even vaguely understand what's going on. I mean, on it's basically it's MGS, like, but with Disney licenses, right? In terms of how fucking weird it is, yes. It's like Inception with people. You have characters that are just Inception fragments. does have people in it. No, no, but it means like you're a fragment of this character. Like You're not yeah, even exactly. a real person. You're yeah. just a part of their heart. So like Which means sometimes out. you exist, sometimes you don't. It's very, honestly, it's, it doesn't... I'm fairly convinced that the great secret about Kingdom Hearts lore is it doesn't make any sense. I think it's all bollocks. Uh, yeah, I think it's probably all bollocks. But, you know but it's entertaining bollocks. I loved the bit with bits with Winnie the Pooh in the first one. Those were also great. Because Winnie the Pooh's Ooh. fucking cool. Um, another brief... <laughs> what we were talking about with... Uh, with um, there's a big Hero 6 world in Kingdom Hearts 3. You see, I'm actually quite... At times. I'm quite up for Kingdom Hearts 3 because I'm, I'm hoping that they have realised that they've just completely lost the fucking plot and that they've maybe brought it back to something a bit simpler again. They brought in a new director, I think. Yeah, because, I mean, the thing is, I actually really loved the combat system from the first one, and I really loved, like... Smack things with a big key! It's so satisfying, though, that, like, just 
swinging around the key. And then Donald Duck and Goofy turn up and they're like, fuck you, weird <laughs> shadow beasts will kick your ass. Endless weird combat system of waiting for things to refresh and then like... You just I mean, won't hang on. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah. When's Kingdom Hearts 3 coming out? Well, he says 2020, but I think that's a, a joke. Uh, so, but I mean, all the Star Wars Probably episode, 20, I would say episode whatever, seven stuff's coming out. Kingdom Hearts 3 has got to have a Star Wars. It could Wars have Marvel, one. it could have Star Wars. Nothing's off the table. I mean, it will have... I mean, because Star Wars is... Disneyland just announced they're building a new... Or opening a new Star Wars land. Oh, that would be good. Soon. Star Wars that's in it. I, I think that's... It's got start. Hyperspace Mountain, and I didn't make that up. Shit. Moving on. Fine. Yeah, no, I, I wouldn't expect you to make that up. I th- okay. <laughs> you think it was better than that? No, no, I no. I, I was impressed. Immaculate Sandwich asks a question. Of course it does. Uh, Fallout 4's pre-order provided a real Pip-Boy. What a relevant piece of plastic. No, no, sorry. Can we stop him there? It's not a real Pip-Boy, because a real Pip-Boy would be a device to keep you safe in a wasteland. It's a piece of plastic that, that you, you put can your put phone your phone in, in yeah. And I think it says a lot about me that I think five years ago I would have bitten off someone's arm for one of these. You're I, I pre-ordered it. Wait, um, what? I'm, Both I'm, of you? I, I am a sucker for plastic tat. Oh. You know this. You've seen my display cabinets. Yeah, but your display cabinets have like some really classy like tiny Japanese... What they the do, f- yes. I know. What? Oh, I know no. I'm, I'm ashamed of myself. This oh, is the only... This no. is, I think... Years ago, I always <laughs> I imagined. I played the first Fallout though, the first two Fallout. I did, and so did what? We, we you, all you did. Think you're talking to? Yeah, I, I played the first. We all two. played the first Fallout. It it's, it's a long and enduring love that I have for Fallout, but and I know, feel like it's worth having a real Pip Boy. I, I like a fake Pip Boy. Pretend Pip. You know, Aladdin's fine. I don't need a giant a, a plastic genie lamp in my life. I'm a, a plastic Pip Boy. Like God, if it would look. Oh, it looks bad. It looks so I, bad. I think it will look We're bad. We're not even yeah. going to be look, using the phones we have sh- in five it, years. If it's shit, I will sell it to some sucker on eBay and they can pay for it. Oh, that is true. That's the, I thought, look, I, there's, it's a win-win situation. I'm going to pre-order it. It's 100 quid if it arrives and I think it's shit and I feel bad about myself. I can sell it on. I paid for it with my own money. It's all good. It's just so like, ah, oh, as someone who's, you know... I know, it's we, emblematic of everything that's wrong with collector's we, editions. We, I know. We, no, not just collector's editions, but video games. Like, we've been like pushing this off and forward for like so long and now it's, you know, it's so close to being something which isn't embarrassing. You're and disproportionately then, angry I'm, about this I'm livid with the real Pip-Boy only because it's sold out and then they had to apologise that they couldn't make more yes anyway it is strange that they can't make more because you would have thought it earns them quite a lot of money but actually I guess it's because they in order to make the cost of making them cheap enough they had to order them from China about a year ago that's it yeah and they could, had to choose a number, and now they're going, oh, fuck, we could have made more money. Oh, sorry, I just saw Immaculate Sandwich does have an actual question attached to this. So I provided a real pet boy. <laughs> no, it doesn't. What irrelevant piece of plastic would you bundle with a game of your choice? You see, I think uh, I would have said in the past, I would have been, I'd love a Fallout game with a real... I would boy. love Fallout 4 to come with a sense of perspective. Oh, <laughs> Made of plastic. No, come on, listen, right? This is just one of the many answers to the, the problem of the fact that, that games cost too much to make. And you've got some places going for, like, looking for the kind of, uh, what they call the, the, the mad fucking whales. Oh, hey, look, I have no um, problem that Bethesda made it. I have a problem with people that buy it. So, us... But it's basically them looking for... <laughs> I have a problem with you. Well, that's fine. You know, that's your prerogative. It's... I kind of figure with this. Now, I, listen, I kind of figure with this. Actually, it's a lesser of many evils and the fact that if there's lots of people out there who are willing to pay 100 quid for a special version of the game that comes with some plastic tap, right, that allows them to then make a very expensive big game and not have to fill it with other yeah, ways to no, get more money. That's fine. I have no problem with that, although it's not like Bethesda need 
you know, any help making more money. Like, that's true. Churning out, you know, incredibly I mean, cheap a, games I, that sell millions. I don't know. Elder Scrolls Online is going to have lost them a lot of money. Well, that is true. Um, <laughs> I've forgotten about that. That makes yeah. me smile. No, the problem isn't... Uh, the problem is that the, the Pip-Boy sells, and the problem is that gamers do not see this as decreasing the value of their property. Like, if I want to play Fallout 4 and I want it to be kind of... I mean, this comes from me being, like, what some people might call a hipster, right? But if I want to play Pull Out 4, I'm not... Pull Out 4. Pull Out 4. <laughs> if I, I'm so Paul. angry. If I Paul! Want, if I want to play Paul. Fallout 4... Like, Fallout's 1 to 3 weren't as good. You know, then I'm no longer sort of necessarily buying into this world. I'm buying into something that's so heavily branded. I know, I know, And I know. so, like, so sort of cheap. They've commodified it. Exactly. And that's fine if they want to make money, but it also, it should have a knock-on effect of decreasing the value of their brand. Like, and my problem is with the fact that that doesn't happen in games. They, they greatly goes, increase oh, cool. the value of their brand with, uh, you know, br- with uh, brand extensions. Just make everyone think it's even cooler, even though what it should do is make people move past it. That never happens. I mean, I think actually, yeah. this, you're kind of right. I think this ties into why we've talked about it already. I won't talk about it again, but why I'm sort of weirdly feel a bit cold towards Fallout 4 in general. And the fact that I kind of feel like now it's it's become a kind of weird brand thing and it feels like it's more about just delivering something which you expect. You know what I find is an interesting counterpoint right here that is on your desk are Amiibos. Because Amiibos, you know, it's not just that they do something in the game and they do stuff. It's that they actually look, they're like quite classy little, oh, I don't know. This is all, this is all perspective. As a person who, who has probably the most expensive and classy plastic shit that it is possible to have, yeah. Amiibos are pretty classy. Yeah, They're okay. like, you know, they're mid impressive. to high range. They're, look at that little two you know, link. We're yeah. looking at a Toon Link right now. He's nicely well made. The detail on them is, is very lovely as well. Yeah, yeah. you know what? Do you know you I've can... managed to resist them completely? I've not bought a single one. Anyway, like, if, if you're into video games and then you have, like, one or two tiny little amiibos, they look like little figurines. They're not the worst. And that's that's Nintendo doing something good, like... And just... just it would be nice if all gamers it's, were kind of at that level. This is know? a very Nintendo way of doing plastic tat, though. It's very, very nicely done. It's got great production value. It's just... It's, it's good. It's good. The thing with most collector's editions... Is that the tat that it comes with is just bullshit? My yeah. statues like, broken. Yeah, like the 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 Assassin's Creed statues that come with Assassin's Creed are bullshit and stupid. They look like shit. They're just I really badly, like, badly, I'd badly like made. I would like a a reboxed version of um, Planescape Torment, which comes with a man who entirely tattoos your back with mad. <laughs> or I want I want an actual Pokedex. I want to. I've been yeah. so grumpy at this. I want to come up with something that I actually would say like, something nice for once in your life. I'll do my best, man. <laughs> Uh, so what have I been playing a lot like I don't know maybe like I'd um, like a real Triforce with my Zelda I'd like a little diorama of Luigi's Mm -hmm. Mansion with my Luigi's Mansion with Luigi looking frightened in a room they sold that on Club Nintendo sold Gave that away in Club Nintendo for a while. You know what comes wow. close to it but it's bad is um, my girlfriend got given a, a press event journey scarf and it's kind of like I've got one of those right so that is that's not it because it's kind of crap but like the the thing I if it was like a piece of a scarf that was just intrinsically fine but then also borrowed a lot of the art style from the game like that would that's not plastic but like that would be a thing that I was me doing my best to be nice that's what I got it's all I got like gaming gaming merchandise is mostly just really bad there's this great British company called First Four Figures that do proper gaming collectible like handmade Mm -hmm. handmade collectibles and you know they cost 200 quid minimum yeah but i've got a few of those now that i've kind of accumulated over the years i've got some zelda ones and they're they're really really beautiful they do a zelda 
Uh, they do a Zelda series that's amazing, mm-hmm. Sonic series. I don't care about Sonic, but apparently the Sonic series is pretty great. And there's a Metroid series where they have like an airship that the the, the, the Samus's ship that actually lights up and everything, and it's all yeah very nice. I but mean, the thing is, those cost so much money that they're unrealistic. It doesn't have to. Games. It doesn't have to cost money. Like I've got a friend who you know like um is really into collecting vinyl, and like you know it's it's just. Intrinsic. I keep using the word intrinsically. It's just nice stuff. It's been designed by people who design incredibly That's nice things for a living. That's why vinyl's a nice thing to collect because it's it's visually appealing as well as having the music that you want. It's also just a visually appealing physical object to own. Yeah, that's all I'm after. I think. This I mean, is it. I, I don't really want any more physical video games. I could quite happily never buy another physical yeah. video game, but I'm probably going to keep buying plastic. Do you know what my favorite thing in my enormous collection of plastic tech that I don't need is? <laughs> is this uh, this this special working Wii replica that I got. It's little. It's like it fits in the palm of your hand. It's very small. And it's a it's a Wii and it has a little controller with a moving analogue stick and little pressable buttons. That's really, very really cute. teensy. That's and you nice. can you can take a little game box of Sin and Punishment 2 or whatever and you can open it up and you can take the tiny disc out of it. And you can put it into the tiny console, and it's got a tiny eject button that you can then press, and the disc will come out. For the people wow. at home, uh, Keza is miming something about two or three inches it's long. Weenie, little. It's, it's, it's officially weenie. weenie. Yeah, if it's you want, weenie. if you want to know the specifics, I, 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 I do feel like maybe it's just a thing as well. If you've worked, um, and I guess people who worked in retail as well would have would have found this as well. It, this kind of the allure of the excitement of these sort of special editions and, and and like fun plastic things that go from being like really desirable things. To just like within about a year and a half, just being tat, that's almost worth nothing because it doesn't. It's not beautiful in and of itself. That's, that's no. exactly it. Like I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm a grown woman now, and a lot of the plastic tat I have is is bullshit that I will probably get rid of. <laughs> but some of it I will keep. Like I, I do have quite a lot of really. Actually, one of the things I've got is worth about a thousand quid. Which is a Bioshock Infinite. Oh yeah, that's the one that I. Yeah. It's a, that's also. It's not. It's not attractive. Like I, I have it because it's worth a lot of money. But it's, it's one like, of those. Um, it's the the tonics, right? It's the, the Raven, murder of Crows. murder of crows tonic, yeah. and it's got actual liquid inside yeah. that you can pick it up. Oh, yeah. It's a very. I mean, I don't. I'm not enormously attached to Bioshock, but I kept that. It's, if yeah, well, if, all if, of yeah. The, all of this. But it is really tat. well made. If you like Bioshock, no, those things are awesome. Yeah. If Infinite had been brilliant, that would be amazing. The reason we buy these things though is because fundamentally, like you say, it looks bad in a year's time. It's because you buy it because you're excited because you buy into the marketing yeah and so ultimately it's kind of you br- you're bringing adverts into your house which is the same thing I always complain about in board games board yeah, game boxes actually, are hideous because that, you're, you're bringing an ad into your house I mean a lot of the plastic tat I own is retro themed yeah it's like I mean I have I have a little Revoltech Professor Layton who's perfect he's got a little notebook and a little cup of tea and he's oh, great. that'd be awesome he's really good he's got a little patio with a little chair he's awesome Love him. and I've got a bunch of really old Nintendo collectibles that are you know They've proven themselves to be timeless. It's like how we both got video game tattoos, right? Uh, yeah. So I would not get a tattoo of a video game that was coming out in September. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's no way I would do that. But if I'd liked a video game for, say, minimum five years, yeah. then I might consider buying into it in a way that's visible, i.e. on my body or indeed in my display cabinet, because then you know it's not... You're not just buying a stupid thing that's trying to be flogged. To I you. think I just had, like... Because uh, I think it was, it was back from way back when when I worked on the more sort of business side of the business and having ending, uh, having one of the uh, limited edition Call of Duty things that was like a kind of a Call of Duty toy I think it was a remote control car or something mm-hmm. and it just sat oh they in, had night vision goggles it just sat in a box like and, and it was just I felt it sat in a box in my old house for years because I just felt so guilty because I knew that really 
I think in the end I did find somebody who wanted it and just gave it to them. But I was this thing of being like, this has gone from being a really cool thing that people really wanted to being like just worthless. I don't know. It, it's a big weird reminder of how quickly, especially video games for whatever reason, um, go from being like super desirable to being like landfill fodder. Entirely like, worthless. You end yeah. up like... This I is remember, what I'm saying. I remember yeah. working at like the first job I had in the industry. They had this massive shelf with all these games and they had like... Some of the bottom of the shelves, they had these games where it was like limited edition versions of games on the PC that came out because this was still before PC games had been deemed completely relevant. So 2005 <laughs> previous. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, but thinking like, wow, like if like five years ago, I would have really wanted this. But now it's like, it's not worth anything. But they're just, you know that around the world there's loads of other shelves and warehouses like that full of things which are worth a fortune now are literally just plastic yeah, waiting you, to be yeah, put in a bin or it melted. It is kind of a depressing, almost a reminder of mortality. <laughs> Let's have another question. Moving on. Uh, Jamie Mazner says, he's never owned a Nintendo system, but he's been given a 3DS for four months. Wow, is it like a 3DS with four months to live? Uh, it's 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 hooked up to a tiny electric IV. What should I play? Yes. If you want to play one thing for the whole four months, Monster Hunter. Yeah, If you want to have, If you've never owned a Nintendo console... And four, by the way. Don't mess around with three. Four no, is just no, where it's at. Just four. Uh, so if you never owned a Nintendo console and you want like a, like a history lesson... Um, Majora's Mask, Ocarina of Time, obviously. I Luigi's think actually just Dark go for Moon. the brand new Zelda because I think that is a... What, Triforce Heroes? No, 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 no. The one that um, came out... Oh, uh, Link Between Worlds. Yeah, I thought A Link Between Worlds But he's was... never owned any Nintendo console. Like, no, I know, but I think A Link Between Worlds is a really acceptable first Zelda game. It's also fact, a good It's a good history lesson because it's like Link to the Past but modern. I just thought it was awesome. It's also that. So um, it's great. Luigi's Mansion Dark Moon you should get. It's wonderful. Really wonderful. I enjoyed that. I enjoyed um, that. Uh, one of the what like Phoenix? Can you get Phoenix right one or two? You can the get thing? the whole trilogy as a collection. Oh yeah, I would Phoenix right. Get all the Phoenix rights. Yeah, that's that's three. If yeah. you've never played a Pokemon game, it's still worth oh, playing. Man. Pokemon Black game. Two is the best because they're just so good. I would say um, Super Mario Three D World Land. I've never been Land? into them. I haven't enjoyed um, the three D ones for a long time. The new Super Mario Brothers is I would skip. But yeah. I would definitely go for the 3D one, which is, I think it's land. I'm trying to think. 3DS. Like, I made, actually, there is a video I made at one as a video gamer of all of the kind of brilliant games that they are. If you like JRPGs, Bravely Default is very, very good. Oh, man. I would say if he likes RPGs, he would have to do Etrian Odyssey 3, which I love. I'm not Animal as much Crossing. a fan of that. I find it a bit hard as Oh, game, no, so. Animal Crossing. you got to do Animal Crossing. Animal Crossing. There it is. Animal Crossing, a Zelda, a Mario, and a Pokemon. Animal Crossing is very popular, though. Some people love it and some people... Yeah, yeah but you've got to play it. You've got, you got, you got four to play months. it. You've got four months. You've got, you got, got four months to live, Matt. Yeah. Come on. Give the voice of Animal <laughs> play, Crossing. Play freaking Animal Crossing. It's great. There's a lot of really good stuff on the 3DS. There's, it's my favourite console. There's tons of brilliant the, stuff on the 3DS. Although, I find that with... I tend to play my 3DS or read... Was like if if I'm play if I have my 3DS on me I never read any. Books. I was racking my brains of a way to say that without. Yeah. No, it's true. I don't I play the 3DS I have it on me. because I read, which is <laughs> the end of the world. But honestly, I it, it, yeah, you're right. It occupies the same space. Yeah, so you know it's the thing you have in your pocket to to fill train journeys with. So if I'm if I'm carrying my Kindle, I'll read. You know. Yeah, and the Kindle's lot. just a bit smaller than the 3DS. Yes. Well, it's not smaller, but it's more convenient to carry. It's smaller. Thinner. But yeah, tons of stuff. I'm it trying to think thinner. of other really, really good things on it, but there are there are so many... There's a lot of really great stuff on Brilliant games, games on Cross an animal, uh, fall in love with your neighbour, and then be sad when she moves away. Yeah. Yeah. Make them say something that's a bit rude, but not really. That's... Screenshot it. Yeah. Put it on Done. Tumblr. Bantam Sam asks, if you could erase one game and all of its subsequent influences from history, what would it be and why? This is really, really tough. It is a tough question. 
I kind of feel like, and this is not for the reason that people expect, but I think like... What was the first game to do a mini-map? <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if that was GTA 3. Might have been. But then I, I wouldn't want to lose GTA 4 and 5. No. I think as good as it was, the Gears of War series had a had a real influence on the entire last generation in terms of there being lots and lots of brown third-person Grey, shooters. Brown. And it, it had a real <laughs> impact. Oh, I mean, that's been systems. happening since Quake, right? No, I know, but it, it really... It Made really it brought it back brown. to the top of marketing dossiers of being like, this is what people want. Um, no, but I wouldn't do that. I think in a way, like, maybe, and not because it's like a bad game, where, as in like morally bad, but I always think like the postal games, I've always had very yeah, little respect. It would be really nice if they had if they. Just happened. because it's this thing of like, they actually don't really offer anything of value What was the first game all? to do really, really graphic neck cracking? Because I'd like to get rid of that. Oh, oh man. It be like, Oh. Splinter Cell, maybe. One of the first Splinter Cells. That was the thing, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's just one of these weird things now. Again, where I liked everything else about Postal. <laughs> Postal is still weirdly celebrated as being this series that, like... It wasn't yeah, anarchic it just at all. Doesn't, it was just fucking dumb. doesn't care about, you know, political correctness. It's like, it was just dumb bollocks. I might be inclined to remove uh, Bioshock Infinite, but just purely for the reason that then Bioshock 1 and 2 stand alone without being, like, tainted by this weird spiralling into... Mediocrity. You say that, but I do wonder if, um, if anything, I think that the lead up to Bioshock Infinite uh, gave birth to a second wave of, of op-eds about why Bioshock Two was good, and then the follow-up when <laughs> Infinite was well, actually, some people loved it, but I thought it was pretty rubbish. Um, I thought it was bad. Um, I loved it while I was playing it, and then thought about it for five minutes and realised I'd been hoodwinked. I love the, <laughs> I loved the first. The first three hours were fucking amazing. And then after, mm. as soon as it became, but again, endless, not even, but not as good those... as the first three hours of Bioshock no, One or Two. No. But that's the thing is, I think actually, like maybe two more people wouldn't have found out that Two was actually because Two didn't review as well, and it's a shame because Two Two is the better game, really strong story just, as well. I'm just thinking about all these little things that appear in every video game. I, I hate the jam on the screen. Thing. Oh, when you get shot, yeah. That's a, that does that does that still happen? Then you just I doesn't it kind of go grayscale. Kind of grayscale now, yeah. But yeah. I would like to erase whatever game made that happen because that was bad. I think it all was of these Call of Duty fucking, that started doing that. Big maybe, actually, do you know what I think I might erase? Assassin's Creed. I like the first Assassin's Creed. Which is you see, I don't either. But yeah. we, I mean, because then, but then right, that <laughs> you whole two with your pit like, boys on your arms like. erasing Assassin's Creed. No, look though, many Assassin's Creed games I've enjoyed immensely, but. I would happily have gone without those experiences in order to not have the immense open-world bloat bullshit that we now have in every fucking game. It has to have, you know, an open world and it has to have four billion icons on the map to mow down. If I could get rid of that whole scene, I would sacrifice Assassin's Creed as a series. Mm. I wonder if, it if, mean I wonder if Assassin's Creed... Because when did Infamous come out? Because Infamous did something similar. You know what? I love Infamous. I like Infamous too as well. Flying around, zapping lightning. Yeah, it's quite fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Infamous is fun. I think I get because I I really hate that every game now has to be like, here's a forest of icons for you to mindlessly tend to. I really enjoy it when you get stuff that's quite clean. And actually, that's one of the main reasons I really enjoyed the first sort of four hours of Dying Light was it was quite, it felt quite clean and Mm. quite sparse, and it felt like. You could just glance at the minimap whilst you were running around and have a sense of where you were going and what you were doing, and it gave exploring the map a sense of kind of purpose. But then it kind of became a bit. Every rubbish. time I look <laughs> at a new game now, I just feel exhausted before I've even started playing it. Every time they just 
open a map the watchdogs map <laughs> you just you just open the map screen and you're just like ah oh, fuck it no <laughs> i until very recently um was always uh, quite um negative about like let's play videos and about the kind of like oh it's just people playing a game why would you not just play it yourself and um you know i kind of thought well maybe it's just something that kids do because they can't afford to buy games and i still think that's a bit that is true. a large part of it but i know that there are also lots of adults who actually like watching them as well and i've kind of now get it because i've just hit a wall where i just feel constantly exhausted <laughs> and it's stuff like today we're recording like a let's play series of hell divers which is a fucking great game but you know what it's exhausting <laughs> and it's the sort of thing of i can now actually see why people would happily just sit and watch that instead of doing it because they're not going to have like a heart attack and die young um, so final question for today prostate puncher oh that's that's typical <laughs> considering what you just said it is it is um, it's a good question though Big Boss has been given the mission of killing you but the last character you played in the game is protecting you are you dead yes well I'm an incompetent little rocket boosted RC car so I'm definitely dead oh hang on the last it's character it's an RC you car in the game. I thought it was a real sized car no I think it's an RC unless everything else is really enormous that's what I RC thought cars. yeah well, the last thing well, that's we what played, I've got protecting me. Uh, was well, less, what was the last thing you played? Well, we played hell divers, and we <laughs> might have been being kept safe by a good old hell diver in a ro- in a robot suit. But at, at lunch, I played some spider, some well, spider two. Spider's a lovely little iOS mobile game where you play a spider and catch insects. Little spider isn't going to keep me safe from uh, from big boss. Nope. Well, I kind of forget. neither is the nameless wandering person from Everybody's Gone to the Rapture, which is the next <laughs> game that I played. Because he can run. <laughs> he he says she can run. Now they've patched it in. They've patched in running. Oh, you're uh, kidding, did they? they did. I can't believe that. They've patched in running to pacify the idiots. Not, no. not that you're an idiot if you thought you needed to run in everybody's... They're just going to call it a running simulator. Yeah. doesn't make a difference. Like that one button would change a certain type of opinion on it. Like everything else about it is going to be fine as long as you have a button that makes you run. <laughs> anyway... I don't know what are video games if not you know the belief that one button press can change <laughs> I think if I even if I was playing my Helldiver guy I'd probably just get killed because I kept like dropping boxes on my own head and we definitely myself. we did a really good thing in Helldivers today whereby you have to throw a beacon to call in your friend if they respawn and Matt dropped the beacon and then stood under the beacon and I arrived on Matt's head. Excellent. Yeah. Very it well was, done. It's basically like uh, doing kind of like that potato thing with your hands where you kind of like yeah put them on top of each other being like hey I'm dead but I brought you back except and military ordinance actually it's not really like that it's more like a phoenix or some shit I don't know <laughs> there's, there's loads of other metaphors why did I start doing potatoes with my hands if, if people at home haven't seen Hell Duffers which is Matt and I's uh, live video series then give that a watch it's good It's the hu- recording it is the highlight of my week it's a lot of fun we have a lot of fun playing it and it's probably quite fun to watch because it is mostly us just uh, completely sincerely bickering and, but then kind of you know most of the time then finishing it off with moments of actual kind of shared glory and excitement also Helldivers is really good it's PS4 exclusive and it's actually like no one was really talking about it that much but it's amazing there's a good reason to watch Let's Play if you don't have a PS4 enjoy Helldivers through us yeah and obviously I'm also doing Swindle stuff which is quite a lot of fun and we will have some new stuff very soon coming up if you are a big fan of Dark Souls then you'll probably be excited about news coming next week hopefully if everything goes to plan. Anyway, thank you very much for joining us. And finally, we got the competition winner from last week. It was the prize was, I think, an ethereal uh, dressing gown. It was. And the winner this week is Mr. James Video Games. Congratulations, Congratulations, James. James. You can collect your ethereal dressing gown from your nearest UK post office. I'm wearing it right now before I put it in the post. (laughs) You look... 
dashing. If you want to win this week's prize, which is, of course, Matt... It's a hedgehog alarm clock. Uh, it's a kind of a hybrid thing. I made it myself. It's partially alive, but it will wake you up. <laughs> is it the sort of brief spasm of electricity running through the body? Sounds good. If you'd like to win that hedgehog, all you need to do is leave a little five-star review on iTunes... Don't actually have to write a review. It'll tell you to write a review. You don't have to. That's a little life hack. You can write whatever words you want in that box. Maybe you could write a review of the Hedgehog alarm clock. That sounds really good. Definitely go off and do that because it really does help discoverability. And we don't do this for love. Well, actually, we do do this for the love. It's just about the competition, to be honest. Yeah. But good luck and congratulations again, Mr. James. You're you're really good at these competitions. Christ. Good. Thank you very much for watching. Goodbye. Bye.